gray skies outside our studio here at one mount pleasant road but a golden day for canadian women's hockey like that segment, JB? I did. I thought you were going to say, but bright blue skies in here because I'm with Justin. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I was surprised. Listen, you're more than welcome to write these out for me <laughs> next you're, show. I'll be honest, yours is better. Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne, Derek Brandeo pushing all the right buttons for us. And, of course, the star of the show, <laughs> Sammy McKee. It is downright awful outside today, boys. You sound better, though. You sound Thank you. back. Thank you. I'm, it I'm, doesn't matter, though, for you because you got your gold medal. We said yesterday, leave it to the women to clean up the men's mess. They did. They did. Honestly, they, you know, it's just so nice to see them play with passion, see the best, the highest level of women's players being there. That's the true best on best with Canada versus America. Those are the two clear-cut best teams in the tournament. They played a really, you know, intense, hard game rivalry hate each other i thought the pace was super fast yeah the it first just 10 minutes in particular it just it's clear that those two are just you know which was miles above which mm. for me was clearly set by the canadian uh women yeah not the u.s i was actually disappointed and not that i'm a huge follower of of the u.s team or watch them closely but they to steal a line from our good buddy babcock they, they didn't start on time. <laughs> the no. U.S. women's team did not start on time, yeah. and they give up the 3 nothing lead, and you're not making it up. No. And they did not wake up until Hillary Knight scored the shorthanded goal, and that kind of brought them up. But th their stars were no-shows, 3 nothing down. Yeah, and, you know, I think the Canadian team was clearly the better team. And to upset the better team in, in hockey, you got to get goaltending. And I thought the American goaltender didn't do enough for them in the early going, give them that extra save or two to keep it close and let the uh, Canadians stake that lead and then able to kind of, you know, sit back and play D, which we know how prevent defense works in football, um, usually end up letting the other team creep back. But at least it wasn't, uh, you know, they kept them back far enough. They got the job done. And for most of the game, there's a couple ticky-tack calls here and there, but they really let them play which is nice because sometimes in these tournaments, men or women's, the these international refs can really take over and really have a bad bearing on the game. But there's a lot of physical play. Both these teams obviously are up to that task. Just, I mean, Marie Flipland uh, laid a woman out there at center ice. Like that, at the, which I the, love. Me too. To, I was fired to up. To go with it. two goals and one assist and a 3-2 win I, and the game winner. I thought that they were going to let it go for a second because it was kind of a delayed whistle and I was like oh yeah they're letting that go like that's it <laughs> even that's it. oh let's go but they they didn't let it go they called her and they actually scored in the power play but yeah I mean if we can just talk about her for uh every she's played in four um sorry gold medal games she scored in all of them game winners in three of them unbelievable I don't I don't there, you can't really come up with enough superlatives to say how clutch that is but it's pretty unbelievable that she always just rises to the occasion and I, I thought uh, the Canadian team Again, from a physical point of view, looked bigger, mm -hmm. stronger along the walls, mm -hmm. controlled the middle of the ice. Mm -hmm. Why don't they just put in body checking? I don't know. Why, why not? Just, because just put it in. I think I, I would love it, but I think they could only do it in USA, Canada. 
because I think those are the only two teams that are up to the physical level. The that, rest like, of them can't stand yeah, like, up. I, I don't know. I don't think that the women versus, I don't think Canadian women versus like, I don't know, playing against Switzerland or playing against, you know, Team China or playing against one of these other teams. Commit and bad. Land yeah, like, I don't know. Like, I just, I, you know, just to steal a term from some millennials, the Canadian women are built different. You know, they're just bigger, stronger, faster players. And I think it could go end badly for a lot of some, the other women. We, but if it was USA, Canada, always contact, I would love that. What Sammy's saying is we got a lot of horses. Yes, we do. <laughs> we do. Sarah, Sarah Nurse last night, seven, or sorry, <laughs> this tournament, 17 points. She was a horse. Man, and Spooner was flying. Like, yeah. I, I, she's... She is unbelievable. She's really, really good. And she's Dynamic. changed her game big time. You know, I, I, I love that Sarah affiliate. She's coming up. She's... Like and you said, nurse set the set the record. So yeah. it's unbelievable. I just I I have to say, watching it, they make me incredibly happy. What I, more I love them. Will that could Poulain do for her legacy? Nothing. Like, nothing. Retired. She has done That's everything. Special. Like OT winners and World Championships, Olympics game winners. So if and when the Leafs get eliminated in the first round, Sammy, that will that will cushion I, the blow. I will look back on that uh, as one of the you know five good sports things that have happened in my life to cushion the blow of the Toronto Maple Leafs letting me down yet again. I'll look back, I'll look back on, uh, you know, my, my hero, Marie-Philippe Poulain, talking there. And she, that second one she scored off the rush where it comes off the, the woman's pads and it, she kicks it up to the skate, snap off the pad in was a really, really high-skill play. So, And I'm going to give a, a shout-out to Anne-Renee Debienne, who I had the pleasure of interviewing earlier this year. Really? And I looked into her, uh, her collegiate record. Uh, in college, she played 34 oh, yeah, games a year. She, she was at Wisconsin for four years. She had like 45 shutouts, yeah. <laughs> which is pretty decent. So and, pretty, pretty good keeper. And there. if I can give a shout-out to my great friend, Christina Rutherford. She's been all over this doing coverage for the women's. And before the tournament, she wrote an awesome story on uh, DBS. So go check that one out on sportsnet.ca. She's an awesome writer. So there you go. Yeah, congratulations to the Canadian women's hockey team on, on their gold medal. Love it. Locally, not a gold medal game, but one that, again, fits the marquee 82-game season. There's a few that you check off. I didn't think at the beginning of the year Pitt would be where they are. No. We've got uh, Brian Burke, president of hockey operations in Pittsburgh, going to join us uh, in a few minutes. Delighted to be on the air, he said. He's, he can't oh, wait. Oh, he's going to be so crusty. He's going to be a sourpuss for sure. Right? <laughs> no, he's going to be excited. <laughs> Right? I'm going to bring him sunshines right in his grumpy face. Oh, my God. <laughs> He's going to be a barrel of laughs with his three-word answers. <laughs> I got 42 questions for the 15-minute segment. He right? should be the happiest man on the planet next to the Canadian women because he's got a top team. Mm-hmm. And I didn't see it coming. Of course, anytime you, you talk about Pittsburgh and a decline – you, there's always the the thought that no, they still got Sid, right? And that's what we're doing tonight, talking about Sid still at the highest level, and what Sid is best at is making those around him better, mm-hmm. and it's happening again for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah, I mean, just an unbelievable run. He kind of had a bit of a slow start. Did you were going to highlight that a little bit? I think he uh, he didn't pour the puck in the net quite like he has, but since. Since then, he's been on a roll. The Penguins started the season 5-6-4. and four. They were last in the Metro um, about a month into the year. Three months later, first in the Metro. They have caught in past Carolina. They got a couple of games in hand. Um, just, just a point behind Florida for the lead in the Eastern Conference. 
unbelievable on the backs of Crosby, as you mentioned. Tristan Jari has had a great bounce oh back here. I mean, he's been really good for them. Weird. A team is having a bounce back here, and the goalie's playing well. The end, at the end of the last season, uh, he, he couldn't catch a puck. No, you're not wrong. It was like, well, what are they going to do in goal now? They got rid of everyone who can play goal there. No, he's back. Yeah, he is back. He is back. Interesting. Sidney Crosby has scored a regular season goal against 127 different goalies in his career. He's got three against Peter Morazic, but he's never scored a goal against Jack Campbell. Well, then the Where'd you get that safe? stat? That's a hell of a stat there, Kipper. You gave that to me. So... Who do you think he scored the most most goals on in his career for Sid? Uh, who's been who's in, in for Philly? Philly. <laughs> <laughs> Roman Czechmanic? I don't know. <laughs> Hendrik Lundqvist. He scored the most goals on. 24 goals wow. on Hendrik Lundqvist. 14 wow. on Halak. That's why he retired. 14 on Halak. 12 on Berdour. 11 on Miller. And then Entero Nidamaki. 11. Listen is that, is that Philly? I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Listen to the names you just mentioned that he scored on most. Lundqvist, Brodeur, Ryan Miller. Yeah, pretty good. So no cheapies. Uh, he scored on Ryan Miller outside of NHL action, if I'm oh, not mistaken. Oh, perhaps <laughs> in a rather large game that I was very excited about. So it's, what I'm very interested in tonight is it's a, line, it's a matchup of two of the premier lines in the NHL, and I'm hoping we get to see them go head-to-head, right, with Gensel, Crosby, Rust, Matthews, Marner, and, and, and Bunting. And I just saw this stat as well, that Austin Matthews has 408 points through his 377 career games. And it just seems like he scores all the time. He's dynamic. Constantly scoring. Sidney Crosby had 512 through his first 377 career games. So the same point. 100 more points. I thought uh, listening to Rick talk, and there's just no, no wavering. And when he said that Sid could easily have had 600 goals already in his career, he just... Just chose not to push that hard for them with the thought that you'd take away different elements of of his contribution on the ice. And he, the best thing that Sid is at is making others around him better. Yeah. What what bigger compliment can you give a player than that? I mean, that's that's the ultimate thing, uh, you know, for for a leader, for a guy who's Single goal seems to be winning the Stanley Cups. You know, looking where he is in the all-time points list, Sammy, first off, the guy's at the top. Just so many points. So Sid is 26th in all-time NHL scoring right now. Already 26th, and he's still over a point per game. So you got to believe he's got a lot of years left, or at least a good number of them. 1,371, he just passed Brendan Shanahan and Guy Lafleur. He's uh, about to catch Mike Medano and Brett Hall is next. So And the point per game... Leaders of all time, which is I find very interesting. He's seventh all time in points per game at 1.273. Wow. And people ahead of him are names like Marcel Dion, Bobby Orr, Connor McDavid in fourth all time at this moment wow. with 1.413 points per game. Mike Bossy, Mary Lemieux, Wayne Gretzky are the people ahead of him. Gretzky's seventh? No, he. Oh, you're doing Gretzky's it first. Bottom up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Gretzky's first. Wait. No, no. Gretzky has 1.921 points Gretzky's per game. Gretzky's never been seventh in anything his whole no, life. No, no, he, no. He's absolutely not. That's ridiculous. Born, pull it together. Later on in the hour, Gord Stellick will also join us and help us tee up the game tonight. He's of course uh, the host of Leaf Nation on the Fan 590 and Sportsnet. Looking forward to uh, electricity later on. Uh, a note here. Adam Brooks, newly acquired (laughs) 
Adam Brooks. Shiny new toy. Is on waivers. Oh. He was on waivers. He got claimed, and now he's on waivers again. Is there anything more, can scream more to us as no cap room than this move by the Toronto Maple Leafs acquiring Adam Brooks and putting him on waivers right away? So... Is that to accrue cap space? Is that the idea? There's no, yeah, there's no room to put him on the main roster. He has to be sent down. So I got to believe this is like, we want him to play for our AHL team. We want him as an option to us. But if you're Vegas, don't you just reclaim him? Can they not? Yes. And they were ticked. So Vegas is going to reclaim him. I had a note from a scout that's saying, don't be surprised if Vegas claims him. Or Arizona claims him. Arizona's got interest in Adam Brooks. Adam Brooks is a good hockey player. I liked him when he was with the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, uh, in, in his earlier stint there. Yeah. He had a decent run. I think he was playing with Spezza and and Joe uh, Jumbo Joe on the fourth line. Yeah. He's got IQ. He's not the biggest guy in the world, but he, he can play a smart game. I, I can sure. see I can see many teams being interested in having a depth guy like that. You know, when teams, when guys are in training camp trying to make a team, the big compliment is a guy, they come to you and say, go get an apartment, you know, go buy a place or whatever, you're going to be here. He should really just get a place out, outside like O'Hare Airport or something, <laughs> like something central in the USA. And just whoever needs me next, I'm just a hired gun. There's no the way he left. There's no way he left Vegas. No. They didn't, they didn't be like, ah, fly cross country, come back over here. They're like, just, just stay there. We'll but so there, there must be something to this where the Leafs thought that Vegas wouldn't claim him back. I mean, there has to be, mm-hmm. unless they were just trying to make nine dollars in cap space through some. This, if you needed another reason to hate the CBA, watching him go through hoops, yeah, through waivers, AHL, NHL, and now to to see this little if if he gets claimed back or now he's on his way to Arizona, I mean. <laughs> It's just not right. Well, and it's, it's worse it, now it's because Bush. of It's Bush year. League. To yeah. watch a guy get bounced around like that, he doesn't deserve that. No no player deserves to be bounced around yeah. as much as now we're seeing with the waiver wire. There, there should Bush. be some protection for guys like that. You know, like you, you shouldn't have to go through that. Who was the goalie? Eric Comrie maybe a year ago? Yeah. Played for 311 yes. teams. But even like cap that – in a season. Like you can only be you can you only be claimed play before you can be sent you, somewhere. I don't know. You can only be reclaimed twice in a season. Yeah. I mean so they do need to put in some protection cuz it's not fair to to Brooks, but it's not. So we'll we'll see how that plays out and so because of that, um Dermot draws in tonight, which we'll talk about more, but uh, I think they think they need a big one from old Dermot or at least a game where he doesn't look, you know, lost out there. Well, this comes on the thought or uh, on the fact that Lilligren has been sent down to the Marlies. So weird. Again, all cap related. You're you're trying to bank dollars. And he is one of basically him and Sandine are the only ones that do not have to clear waivers. Yeah, Lilligren not clearing waivers and his what is his cap hit? Do we know offhand? Offhand, I don't know. I would be yes. seven fifty, eight fifty, eight sixty three. Apparently, um, so yeah, he he goes down. I'm sure they'll have him back up the second they can. You know, they're hoping Brooks can get through, and then this is the, how it's going to be though. Quibbling at the bottle, bottom end of the roster, while they figure out yeah, and uh, what moves they're going to make. Nick Ritchie, though, the guy that they're waiting to move, 
he was uh, unfuego for the Marlies last night. He shot a hockey puck into the hockey net, um, which was, I mean, can't hurt his value, right, Kipper? Show, show guy, he did raise his stick or his hands or flinch when he did it. He was like, oh, okay, well, on to my next shift. But There is a sense that there is some, there's, there's more than one team interested in Nick Ritchie now. Reclamation so, of a reclamation? It might be a little tricky because he's owed $3.3 million next year of real money. But how can they help out with that? Is there a way to avoid salary? No, no I don't think so. There's nothing you can do aside from give an asset, which I, they would never do. I don't know. It, it is in everyone's best interest if he does move on. And I'm not saying that I, I've, I've been in scenarios at the American Hockey League where you watch guys who think that they're NHLers. Yeah. And it's not that Nick... Richie, and, or I'm accusing him of having a bad attitude. But usually under those circumstances, you're getting a guy that doesn't want to be there, never expected to be there, signed a two-year one-way contract that mm. there was no thought of ever playing in the minors. And I'm sure they've got a good thing going now with the Marlies. They've won some games and... You know, there's a great feeling there. Don't want a guy that doesn't necessarily want to be there either. I think you learn a lot about a person in those circumstances. And having been with the Marlies for two years, I saw a lot of players um, come down and with varying attitudes. I can tell you that. Like, you, you when the guy walked through the door, and you, generally they come to the coach's office first, you have a yeah. pretty good idea what you're dealing with from the first nine seconds of that interaction. Yes. And everybody knows it as well. Yeah. So everybody's on their best behavior. You know, the trainers will go out of their way to treat him as he's been accustomed to be treated in the National mm -hmm. Hockey League. Of course, you're still in the minors, and there's no hiding certain things. No, there's some stuff that just right? can't be like, changed. Like, listen, man, we're eating boxed pizza yeah. after the game. That's what you're getting. You're not, you're not getting three towels. You're only getting two. Yeah. Well, right? we, we're hopping on the bus. Place your lasagna order pregame, and it comes from the one place in Utica. Yeah. So hope it's good. So maybe Berkey was listening to us. Uh, crap on him. Call him a grump because he's not answering. So maybe we uh, should... he, he just texted me a question mark here, Sammy. So maybe okay. I've got you the wrong number. Okay. I'll, uh... you, did you not book him? I did book him. Well, he's, he's you, waiting you on can't us. go zero for one on on your <laughs> on your only. No, I got a Gretzky, booking. didn't I? Yeah, you're a Gretzky. I think I was. <laughs> he has to be in a great mood. Uh, yeah. I, well, we that remains to be seen here. Let's, let me make sure I get Sammy the right number here. Nope, I'd send Sammy the wrong one. Okay, there we go. Coming your way, Mike. Thank you. I'm just gonna let, watch you guys. <laughs> scramble and get so nervous when Berkey comes on too. Oh, I yeah. you're gonna be on your I'm best already, behavior. I'm already terrified to make the phone call. Well, make it quick because he's getting impatient. Well, it's not like uh you know, he's too busy working the phones for a big trade. That's the old Berkey. Now they do they just sit back and, and relax and watch the team just get better on its own. Yeah, well, you know, having that Tristan Jari resurgence certainly didn't hurt. Um you know, the uh, the Matt Murray thing, I think, solved a lot of problems getting him out of there in Pittsburgh at some point. But um, it is, you know, Brian Burke has been on the show before and said, you know, and he's not taking credit for any of the way that that has all shaken down. They've just, the best guys have been their best guys. Latang's been very good this year, too. Evan Rodriguez, where did that guy come from? I mean, just a ton of points this season, 33 points, I believe, 
you know, from a pretty unexpected place in the roster. Did we find you, Brian Burke? Yes. <laughs> what I tell you? We're already on the one-word answers. How are you? You should be the happiest guy in the world. You got to watch a terrific uh, women's gold medal game. Your team's on fire. Sid's still the best there is. 500 goals. Come on, life doesn't get any better. You guys are late calling in. <laughs> I'll take the hit there. You're I gave the key the wrong number. That's on me. You're, you're, you're three minutes late. That's unforgivable, so I'm not going to do the interview now. <laughs> can you just nod yes or no? Can you can you clap <laughs> one for yes, two for no? <laughs> no, yeah, no. The the, uh, the women's game was fantastic. Um, I thought the better team won, and I watched the the game, and I thought uh, I thought Canada outworked them, <clears throat> and I thought they deserved to win, and they were fantastic those women. So, and the game has come so far; it was great. And the Finns won the. The bronze, which is really important because it's been a two-horse two race for the last 15 years, so it's nice to see them emerging. Uh, and yeah, our team, our team has played well. We've got we've got a good group, and it's uh, it's been fun. Berkey, the other night we saw Sidney Crosby score his 500th goal, and we we had Rick Tockett on, who talked about his, you know, how Crosby makes everyone better. And he said that if he, you know, if Sid wanted to make it his focus, he could have 600 goals by now. But it's what he does for his teammates that makes him so much better. Um, it, you know, what, what is it that, that Sid is able to do to make others around him better? I don't fully understand the concept of, of that value he's able to, to pull out of people around him. Well, that's a pretty complex issue. I think you could talk about Sid for a half an hour and not scratch the surface. I would say it boils down to two or three things. Uh, number one is the way he drives the effort level um, he makes everyone work harder. So if your hardest working player is your best player and you're a young guy on our team, you're a Drew O'Connor or a Dan Heinen or one of our younger guys, you don't have a choice when you play for the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're going to work because when you get on the ice, Sid's going to work. So he, he's a driver that way. Um, he, he, I, I think another part of it is he thinks the game so well that if you watch us play, so right now he's playing with Brian Rust on right wing and Jake Gensel on left wing, um, they know that Sid's going to buy time and make plays. So a lot of times you'll see they're six feet away, they'll move six feet to get open because they know the pass is coming. And that's when I think you say makes players better, make, it allows them to think and react and, and initiate movement that generates offense that, uh, lesser players can't buy that time. They can't use their edges like he does and use his upper body strength and lower body strength to buy time. So that'd be two. And three, I think it's just uh, what he gets done. Like he, this this guy the other night, he he draws a penalty and then he gets scores the 500th goal. But in that game, he he was physical. He was he was angry. I think he was sour at the end, scored the 500. So he had, he was in a surly mood. Um, he just does everything and it makes you better. And he leads by example. I'm going to tell you a story. I don't tell a lot of Sid stories. But I'm not going to name the person. And Sid will get mad if he knows I said this. <laughs> but um, I, had, I had a guy um, send me a note about three weeks ago. And his son uh, had a very serious illness and, and almost almost passed away. And uh, he asked, can you, can you get a sweater from Sid? So I did. I asked Sid. Sid was very gracious. Said, sure. We sent it. I got a note back from the dad 
He said his kid slept in the sweater that night. So this is what he does off the ice, the, the charitable work and the commitment to the community. So there's lots of levels that, that he adds value to, at lots of levels to our team. So I think he makes makes players better. I think that's unquestionably true. And just a, a low-maintenance guy as well. And those stories that you just told, Berkey, probably there's, you know, hundreds of more. Hundreds of them. And, yep. you know, the, the, his... I don't know if it's his refusal or just the fact that he doesn't need social media. He doesn't need, and he does his commercials, and I think it's done for more than, it's more, I think it's done more for others than it is himself or, or needing that attention. But he is he is really old school when it comes to, you know, what he wants out there and what he doesn't. Yes, and he's, he's careful about what he says and does, and, he, he's he's a very he's he's not proud. He's very proud of what he does in terms of you. T- you can't be an elite athlete like he is without being proud of what you do and taking pride in your achievements. But he doesn't want the accolades that come with it. He doesn't want the recognition that comes with it. He's very humble, very modest. Um, it's just been a joy. Like I first met him at the draft when obviously we lost the lottery. Pittsburgh draft Sidney Crosby. We come in second, and we draft Bobby Ryan, who had a, has had a great career of his own, by the way. Good, great kid. But obviously, it was a transitional moment. Uh, you're talking about a player that came in that transformed the league, and they talk about generational players, and that term is overused. There's very few generational players. There are a lot of really good players, but generational, is that's what Sid was, and that's what it's been to our league for this whole time. So I've been around him. Um, that whole time since he was drafted. And thank God, finally, I get him on my team. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, you know, another guy who's had a, a big impact on your success this year is the, the bounce back year Tristan Jari's having. 925 save percentage through 39 starts. Um, how important has he been to your team success this year? Well, I, I think the difference between our teams having success or not, I mean, goaltending is 80% of the game unless you don't have it, and then it's 100% of the game. And and I think the the issue is, if you go back to our first round, so we won our division last year and lost in the first round of the Islanders. And Tristan Jari was not good. He was just okay. Mm-hmm. And I think right away there were a lot of people saying, you got to get a goaltender, you got to get a goaltender, you got to get a goaltender. And very early on in that process, Ron Hextall went to Tristan. This is right after the season, and he said, we're not looking for a goaltender. The fact that you struggle a little bit, look at, I mean, uh, if you go back on, on goalies, I think I think uh, Fleury was one of them. Um, Carey Price was another. Their first time in the playoffs, the first time in, in a situation where all the pressure is on you, not everyone responds that well. So Tristan had a tough time with his first playoff series. He's been lights out ever since. But I think a large part of that is that we went to him, mainly Hexie, as a former star goalie himself, and said, Kid, we're sticking with you. We believe in you. And he's been terrific. Looking at your lineup right now, a little less than half a season still to go, and there's plenty of hockey before you even get to a trade deadline. But Right now, if you look at your team and and uh, through one through twelve up front, and what even Brian Boyle has brought for you, uh, no one really saw. So, are you going to be like any other team, just looking for a little depth on the blue line, or maybe even a little bit more uh, 
you know, strength maybe in a backup position? Where do you look at, uh, where's your focus on the, on the back half of the season? Well, that, that's, I think, a, a great question. We do like our depth. Um, we do like the fact that um, we don't feel we have a pressing need. Like most times when you go into the deadline, you say, we absolutely need this or we're going to have trouble. We don't feel we have a pressing need. The issue, Nikki, is we're capped out. Like right now we've got $150,000 in cap room. So for us to add a player of any consequence, we would have to move a player that makes some money. And we like our team. We like our the, the makeup of our team. We like the, the, the way the group has come together. So to trade a guy to create cap room and, and address a different need would be difficult for us. So we're probably not going to be extravagant. Like we said last year, we had the same issue last year. We went shopping at Kmart. And we brought in Brian Boyle, who, as you mentioned, has been terrific. We made a trade for Dan Heinen, who's been terrific. We, we made a trade for Brock McGinn, who's been one of our – he's an elite penalty killer. He's physical. He's been terrific for us. So we those additions and our improvement have not been accidental. They were cap-conscious acquisitions that address positional needs and have helped us a lot. And we're probably doing the same type of microscopic examination at the deadline. And, Berkey, you guys have had, you know, really wonderful seasons from some places where you wouldn't expect it. You know, Evan Rodriguez has also put up really good numbers with you guys. Uh, being Toronto-based in a Toronto show, I, I want to get your take on how Kasperi Kapanen has been this season. You know, he's 24 points in 49 games, which seems a, a little underwhelming, but I haven't seen him night in, night out. What's what's your been impression of Cappy's season so far? Well, I, I'd say... Um, Underwhelming at times. Um, the problem with Cappy is he's, he's got he's got such great physical skills. He's an explosive skater. He's got size. He's got a great shot. And there are times when he demonstrates that, and it's really you say to yourself, "Holy cow!" Uh, I would say, and I'd say this with with Kasperi Kapanen sitting next to me because he's a great kid. Uh, we need more and more consistent production from him. But, uh, you know, certainly his, his skill set, the package, is is top six going away. Like, this guy's got all skill sets, mm-hmm. and he's a popular guy. He's a good guy. But uh, we'd like to see a little more consistent and a little more consistent production out of Cappy. Brian, just uh, on, on, on the top of the show, we were talking about uh, Sid versus Matthews and what a, a great matchup against two top teams, uh, two top lines in the National Hockey League. But the other one I'm looking forward to is Malkin versus Tavares. And Jeff Carter, great pickup, tremendous value. You got him on an extension. You mentioned Heinen uh, and, and Malkin in, in all of this. Where is his game with the, the long layoff and short-term and maybe even long-term, where does Malkin stand with uh, with you and Hexy? Well, I would say so far, his performance so far has been okay. He's had flashes of brilliance. He's set up Sid's goal. Mm-hmm. He, he's shown, you know, he's got a skill set of, uh, you know, he's a, a big physical player. He's got an elite skill set. He's been a great player in the league for a long time. I'd say so far his performance has been good. But not not giving any A's or B pluses or anything. Just I'd say good. Um, we can certainly uh, certainly hope for and expect more. But it's not it's not been a letdown. It's been more that coming back from a major injury, he's rehabbed very hard. It's a very difficult injury to recover from, 
and we think he worked very diligently to get back. So we think it's been more like, okay, we got most of the rust off, but there's still some there. We need a little more, and that's going to come. You guys have got yourself in a great position. I think you started the season about five, six, and something. Now, now you're in first place in the Metro Division. How crucial is it for you guys to hang on to that spot? Is it one of those situations where you just want to get it, and doesn't matter where, or is winning the division a huge priority? Well, I, I think I, I think maybe you'll disagree with me on this, Nikki, but I don't think so. I think first off, uh, the winning a division. It changes the seating patterns, obviously. It guarantees you home ice in certain situations and so on. Mm-hmm. So I think it's important. But I think the mindset of winning a division is important that you continue to play well and, and see it through. We did it last year with the Islanders. We saw it through at the end and we won the division. Now, obviously, we didn't have playoff success that we hoped for right after that. But I think it's important. Is it the end of the world if you if you end up missing on by a point or two? No. But I think it's important, and it does have playoff implications as far as who you play. Berkey, when you and Ron Hextall took over, you made it abundantly clear to me when I when I spoke to you, and and you've said this publicly that you owe it to Sid Latang Malkin to just see what's left in the tank here, and you've been true to your word, and it's been good. But you're going to either win the Stanley Cup or you're not. But that won't change the fact that you've got as many as six or seven, maybe even more UFAs and big names too, Rust, Malkin, and you're not going to make everybody happy. So how, how do you approach that moving forward? Do you try to get these guys signed now and 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 juggle that that cap, or do you just let the chips fall where they may and deal with it in the summer? Well, we're gonna we're gonna pursue two avenues. One is we're gonna continue to talk with all the players involved, which we've done, and see if there's uh, a middle ground there where we could say, okay, extensions make sense at what guys are at. So we've got two guys who have been elite players in our league and Latang and Malkin. They are UFAs. We have to see what would keep them happy to stay in terms of term, and I mean length of contract and salaries. And if it doesn't make sense, then we have to see, okay, do we play it out? Do we look at moving guys at the deadline? We're, we've still got a month to go, so there's no hurry. We continue to talk to these guys and see, but I think everyone knows I'm not afraid of tough decisions. If we can't do something that makes sense, then we'll, worry, we'll move on to plan B and worry about plan B when we get to plan B. Um, as far as Brian Rust, he hasn't had the same elite status over the years that those other two have, but he's an important guy for us. He's a good kid and he's a good player. Same thing. We'll see if we can get something done that makes sense in terms of term and money. Uh, But if not, then we'll do plan B. So we've still got a month to go. Um, But I I think everyone should be, uh, the the principles that I've always run my teams under haven't changed. And and I hate some poor grammar, but they ain't going to (laughs) change. We're going to do stuff that makes sense. We're going to do stuff that makes sense or we're going to move on. Well, listen, we really appreciate your time. Uh, have fun watching the game tonight, and, and, and thanks for doing this, because usually when we have to book presidents of hockey teams, we have to do it weeks in advance. <laughs> <laughs> this is so easy. Uh, <laughs> hey. well, people listening, people who are listening will not understand what Nicky's talking about. But I know exactly what he's talking about, and I get the joke. All right, listen, have fun. Uh, great job so far. Okay. Thanks, Berkey. Thanks, Berkey. We appreciate it. Thanks, guys. See ya. Bye.
You're not supposed to short book Mr. Burke. No. No. Try to give him more advanced time notice. Sammy, do Sammy. your job. <laughs> just turn the headphones on. I, I spilled a bunch of water back here. I'm just a mess. Um, yeah. Uh, you said some stuff there, eh, Brookie? He did say some stuff. Oh, you know what he said, but he didn't say? Hmm. Malkin's done after this year. Oh, what? You didn't get that? Well, he's okay. If I'm being honest, he's, I kind of. He's good, but he's not. Or it's kid, he knows he's got a contract coming up. Right. He's uh, early negotiations. <laughs> he knows not that good. I don't really know what the big fuss is all about. Good point. Okay. I'm on Toronto radio. This might get heard some places. Yeah, Gene Gino's fine. Um, by the way, I wonder I was wondering while he was talking what the what NHL team would have the highest total of career earnings on the roster. I was looking at Pittsburgh's roster. What do you think Chris Letang's made in his career? What's, he's at seven now, seven and a half. For yeah. pro, he, he was coming off of a $50 million contract. Uh, tack on another 30 before that. I want to say 85. Okay, well, he's you're, you're high on him. He's at okay. 70. Okay, I'm not, I'm not that high. 15's no, but, not bad. But Gino yes. Malkin is at about $120 million. Which is more than Sid. No, Sid is at $135 million. Jeff Carter... Is it seventy-two million? I mean, they got like not rich guys on their team. Well, they have like <laughs> generational wealth to go with the generational talent. Yeah, knock off a little bit for escrow on that, boys. Yeah, that's uh, true. Yeah. true. <laughs> Just half. Uh, we're gonna go to break, or do you want to do a Marley giveaway, Sammy? Because you were so good at it yesterday. Um, we're gonna do some Marley tickets here. Okay, so here we go. Okay. Who wants to spend family day at Scotiabank Arena? The Toronto Marlies play their annual game at Scotiabank Arena Monday afternoon at 3 against the Laval Rocket, and we want to send you. Each fan aged 12 and older must present proof of full COVID-19 vaccination along with government-issued ID at the entry gates. If you want to go, we are taking caller number 5 right now at one 416 870-0590 and start 590 to win a four-pack of tickets. If you're not the lucky winner but still want to join the action on uh, Family Day, you can purchase the tickets at Ticketmaster.ca. Oh, standing O, standing O. What do you o. give them out of 10? <laughs> I, I, it's not flawless. I can't give okay, them a 10. So no. I, was, I was about to <laughs> Yesterday he was four. <laughs> yeah. our, our boy eight today. Fabro, he, he, in, a, in the read here, he put, uh, if you want to join the action on Boxing Day. So oh. it kind of got me a little bit. So I'm going to throw Fabs into the bus a little bit there. You know, we probably shouldn't lead into that with who wants to spend the day in an arena, the family day, because that's, you know. Well, if, I, if it looks like this, anything like this that's outside, true. I'd spend it, happily spend it in an that's arena. That's a good point. That's a good point. I, I certainly would want to be there, so. And maybe I will be. We'll see. Um, oh. Now we can do the break thing and get to our next game. All right. Gord Stellick. Stelectricity. Oh, yeah. After the break, we'll get into, what are we, 50% fans tonight, guys? Mm-hmm. How about that? That's going to get Gord uh, awfully excited. We mentioned... He's already... Is that Gord sticking his finger in the light socket? <laughs> <laughs> Very nice, Derek. All right, Gord Stellick, after the break, you're listening to Real Kipper and Born, show number 92.